Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. We come, come from the, the land, land of the ice, ice and snow where the hot springs ring and the midnight blow. What's up, everyone? Just go with it. Let's just, yeah. yeah let's not yeah, do a second yeah, take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hammer of the gods, blah, 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 blah. Other lyrics, other lyrics. You are watching slash listening to the Command Zone podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. It's here. Another set. <laughs> We got a couple of episodes in there that weren't set reviews. That was kind of fun. And we talked, we were like going so far deep into like magic and life, starting all over, and now we're back to sets. But it's uh, okay. The, yeah, Kaldheim is almost here. Um, the whole set's been revealed at this point. There's a bunch of new legendary creatures, not as many as Commander Legends, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's going to be a few set review episodes here, but again, not as many as Commander Legends. How are we going to lay it out, Jimmy? Uh, right now, we are doing all of the modal double-faced commanders as well as the gods. So a lot of the uh, a lot of these, there's like a god creature type, and they have two sides to them, which is really exciting because I love MDFCs. They were just introduced last year, and they add a ton of flexibility into the commander format, and now we get to have commanders that are these same things. So pretty exciting. It's also a way for the design team to kind of sneakily put not creatures into the command zone. Yeah, that's going to be interesting to talk about too. Yes, because the MDFCs, which now stands for Modal Double-Faced Commander. Command. Yeah, that's what the gods are. They're all... Basically, two cards in one. One on the mm. one, one on front face, one back face. Uh, we'll go through all the rules and stuff, and we're going to break down. Each one of these is like kind of breaking down two cards because they have two different faces. But before we get into it, mm. you're going to want to get your hands on all this Kaldheim stuff, all this Viking stuff, all this metal stuff. And if you want it, cardkingdom.com slash command zone is the place to go to find it. They are going to get you your stuff the fastest and in the best condition. If you want magic product, you want a booster box, you want a collector's booster, or you want singles, you can uh, pre-order the singles. Or those showcase frames on a lot of these cards. They look really pretty. In fact, we got a couple right here that if you're looking uh, at the YouTube video, you can see. And there are showcase frames on both sides for the MDF commanders. (laughs) I like that new lingo. Yeah. (laughs) So cardkingdom.com slash command zone is the place to go. You're going to buy this stuff anyway. Me as well. Help support all of our content while you do it. And while you're there, or while you're at your LGS, or while you're ordering locally from your LGS and picking it up, I said locally LGS too many times. Okay, I talked to Cynthia Shepard, and they developed an entire Viking world just for this single set, and the amount of art they have in here is nuts. Ultra Pro is going to be the number one place if you want to get your hands on anything that features this really amazing, beautiful art, the new snow-covered everything. And, you know, it's what Josh and I trust when we put our cards in sleeves, when we put play on the table. We want to play on Ultra Pro. I've been using an Ultra Pro mat as my mouse pad for who knows how many years now they've got you covered on all sorts of products from deck boxes to dice to sleeves so if you're looking to outfit your commander collection and theme it around Kaldheim, do it ultra pro is the way to go i was like are we on Kaldheim? yeah we are okay okay yeah like that banner you've got behind you jimmy that's from akoria but they have those kind of banners for most of the sets yeah uh, just if you want this viking themed really cool art stuff on any of your uh, game pieces then ultra pro is going to be the ones that has that have it uh, and the final way to support all of our content, of course, is directly if you go to patreon.com slash command zone, you can 
hang out with Jimmy and I on our Discord. We're on there every single day. You also get perks like being able to watch extra turns and game nights earlier than the general public. And uh, spoiler alert, episodes of both of those shows are coming out in the next couple of weeks. Whoa. So yeah, no time like now to join the Patreon because you're immediately going to start getting value from it, getting to see those shows before anybody else. And then they can go to the Discord and talk about the episode they just saw a day early with the rest of the Commands Unfaithful. Pretty cool. That is a good call. Thanks. I... I momentarily forgot which side of me that you were on i tried to talk to you over here but you're actually over there just talk to you over here the editors were like come on man don't do this to me (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and uh we also shout out one lucky patron every single episode and this episode is dedicated to jeff mobley jeff you rock you do rock all right let's get into it jimmy we've got call dime it's the mdf commander's so we're going to do the legendary uh, review in two parts. We're only going to cover the commanders from Kaldheim that have are dual-faced mm-hmm. in this episode. And then the next episode is going to be sort of the more traditional commanders, the ones that only have one face. Yeah, but before we break it down, uh, we have to talk about MDFCs and what are they, so you can give a little bit of primer before we get into it to understand sort of the different ways you can interact with these cards. So Also, also we should say we did an entire episode on the uh, yes. rules regarding MDFCs. Uh, <laughs> which I forget which episode number it is, but we'll put the thumbnail on screen and the episode number on YouTube. But if you just go MDFC's Command Zone and YouTube, it'll pop up, and that's a good refresher course on how the rules surrounding MDFC's work because yeah. they are kind of complicated. Yeah, we're going to go through them a little more quickly so we can get to the meat of the episode. So MDFC's are modal double-faced cards. You have the option when it's in your hand or, I guess, in the Command Zone to play either side. So these can sometimes be lands, sometimes they're going to be spells, creatures, enchantments, all sorts of things can be MDFC's now, apparently. Yeah, this this set is the first time because in um zendikar they were mm-hmm. all lands on one side and spells on the other yeah. this set they're saying nope sometimes there are spells on both sides yeah like a creature on one side and a planeswalker on the other Ooh, that's great but as long as the front face is a legendary creature then it can be your commander however if the back side has more colors guess what it is a all of the combinations of those colors so it's that color identity um this card is of course subject to manner attacks if you're playing it as a commander and the card is the same card regardless of what side you play it from so command Commanderness is a non-copyable property of the card itself. So if you make, a, if you have a like a, a MDFC that's an artifact on one side, and you cast as an artifact, and then turn it into a creature and deal damage with it, that counts as commander damage because that card has the commanderness co- property. However, if let's say, and there are, there is a card like this, where on there's a couple like this, where on mm-hmm. one side it's an equipment and one right. side it's a creature. If you cast the equipment, equip the equipment to a creature and then deal commander damage with that creature, that will not be commander damage because the equipment itself is not dealing the damage. <laughs> the creature is. That gets a little confusing. Yeah, because yeah. thematically, it's the thing doing the damage, but I guess it's kind of just saying they're cheering on the creature and it's like, I'm not really a commander. Right, but if you could animate the equipment with one of those cards that says, you know, turn your artifact yep. into a 4-4 creature with no abilities or whatever, and then hit them with that card specifically dealing the damage, that would be commander damage. Yep, and the backside of the commander card on these MDFCs is still your commander. So even if it is that artifact and then you have a card that says, if you control your commander as you cast this card, well, that thing is still your commander. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Also, commander tax and how it applies to these cards. These cards, they will count both sides as the commander tax for how many times you've cast it out of the command zone. So let's say you have, I'm holding the card Halvar, which we're going to talk about first, but he's four CMC on the front side and is a creature and Mm -hmm. two CMC on the back side and is an equipment. If you cast it as the equipment, the equipment gets destroyed 
and then goes back to your command zone. If you want to cast it as the creature side, it will. you'll still have to pay the two commander tax. You have cast that card once from your command zone or vice versa if you cast the creature side, then want to cast the equipment side. You don't get to like cast the front side. Yeah. It dies, then be like, there's no commander tax on the back side. That's not how it works. The commander tax adds up between the two. Yep. And let's say you cast that commander we just talked about as an equipment, an artifact, and then you flicker it somehow. You mm. get it off the battlefield and it comes back. It will come back as side one if it is a permanent on that side. So it's a creature, so it's going to come back as the creature. But if it is going to be an instant or a sorcery on the front side, it gets exiled. So you can sort of reset these cards by flickering them, but you have to make sure that it's a creature on the side or a permanent on the side that you flicker it to. The easiest way to tell which side is the front side is in the top left corner of all these cards. Ah, yes. There's a number of triangles. And the front side always has one triangle, and the back side always has two triangles. Side that's one, you, side two. Yeah, so side one is always the one with one triangle, and that's the side it will come back as if you flicker, if it exiles and comes back. So again, if that's not a permanent type, then it can't come back, and it will just stay exiled. Not really relevant for the commanders, because obviously they're yeah. all living their creatures on the front side, yeah. Yeah. Um, and of course, bouncing these cards back to your hand can be very good. With the MDFCs from Zendikar, we had a lot of lands, so land bounce cards were good. In this case, cards like Crystal Shard and Erratic Portal, so you can play the other side. Uh, it may not actually come up as much as you might think after we do the set review. Uh, yeah, because a lot of these will get stuck on the other side then yeah. if you do that, and because Erratic Portal can't bounce like non-creatures, you might not even want to do that. But yeah. it is a trick you can pull, and a few of these might want to do that. Yep, yep. Uh, and then... There's an interesting interaction I wanted to mention with Cascade. Now, this doesn't affect when you are um, playing these as your commander because you can't okay. cascade it into something that's your commander. But we will talk about these cards a little bit as how they would uh, be in your deck in the 99. Mm -hmm. So if you cascade somehow into one of these cards, it will cascade according to the CMC in the top right corner of the front side that's what it'll check is the CMC, but oh, okay. it will allow you to cast either side of the card because it just checks. Oh. It says, what's the CMC of the card? Hits it, and then it says, okay, you can cast that card without paying its mana cost. Well, casting that card entails choosing which side you want to cast, in which case there are a couple where it's like two men on the front side, seven Se men on yeah, the back yeah. side. If you cascade into Tybalt, that's the one I'm talking about, mm -hmm. then you could you know, get a seven mana cascade, even though you only cascaded off of something like a... Uh, three blighted agent or whatever yeah right? yeah well that's yeah. pretty cool yeah interesting interaction very interesting okay and finally the molo double face cards that are gods uh there are two in each monocolor except for green there's only one there because i think they gave a sweet green slot to a card called Vorinclex. and then there are three <laughs> also they were probably like green's fine yeah <laughs> i hope so i mean like look at Vorinclex. okay we'll talk about the next episode though but uh there are three multicolored options that we'll also cover today so Let's uh, let's do it in order of colors. We haven't done this in a long time. In Wooburg order? Wooburg order. All right. Usually we flip it up so we don't feel like we're giving favoritism, but white needs a little bit of front, of, front of channel, yeah, before everyone stops watching. White needs a lot of favoritism. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. All right, so the first MDF commander is Halvar, god of battle. Two white, white for a 4-4 four, four legendary creature god. It says, creatures you control that are enchanted or equipped have double strike. Okay. At the beginning of each combat, you may attach target aura or equipment attached to a creature you control to target creature you control. So, again, any creature you have that is enchanted or equipped gets double strike as long as Halvar is out. Mm -hmm. And then at the beginning of combat... Each combat, right? Yeah, of each combat. So every player's turn. You may attach target aura or equipment attached to a creature you control... Two target creature you control. I just realized I misread this, so some of the things I wrote down are actually wrong, and that's, that's a good example of why you need to read the card <laughs> because you don't get to equip and attach or, or attach an equipment 
that's unequipped ah, for free. I see. So it's hard to sort of skip the equip cost altogether. But what you could do is like, it's on this creature over there and I'd rather have it on this creature over here. So mm-hmm. I move it. So or the- you have ways to cheat the equip cost, which there are plenty in these colors. So yeah, that's the front side of Halvar. I'll read the back side. Let me get to it. Uh, right now. Let me read it now, and then okay. I'll read it again when we get to it. Because, okay, cool, yeah. cool. So the backside is an equipment. It's Sword of the Realms, one in white for legendary equipment. Equipped creature gets plus two, plus O, oh, and has vigilance. And then whenever equipped creature dies, you return it to its owner's hand. The equipped creature, not the equipment. And okay. its uh, equip cost is one in white. So it kind of recurs your... Creature that's equipped. A little Nim Death Mantle. Not the exact same. Doesn't bring it to the battlefield. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it like, it's harder to block because, oh, they're just going to get it back if it has an ETB. You could redo it. Um, okay, this is interesting because uh, not too much of this impresses me. Yeah. Um, Another and, equipment commander. Yeah. And so aura. I think this is probably best in the 99 of all of the equipment decks that have now existed. So we've got Akiri Fearless Voyager. Zerda the Dawn Waker, Arden is a new partner commander, Intrepid Archaeologist, and Wyleth Soul of Steel, Chiana Ship's Caretaker. So these are sort of like the suite of red-white equipment-based decks now. And I think Halvar can pretty comfortably fit into most of them because, Josh, you've played the most of these, I'd say, on game nights. The, the idea of having a free equip cost when it's already on a creature and an aura moving around on each combat, that does seem strong, especially with like the Wyleth decks because... Wyleth wants a bunch of stuff on it, but you don't necessarily want to have to always keep it on her because you could get double, you could get totally blown out if something removes that creature. Yeah, I could see in that deck it being nice to attack with Wyleth with everything on and then, you know, on the next combat kind of slide one over just to have a better blocker or something. And then you can move it back or maybe even two things. You probably don't want to do more than that because you can only move one thing per combat. So <laughs> yeah. that that sliding things around, I think, reads as like kind of flashy, but it's not going to really do much. I mm-hmm. wish it skipped the equip cost, but it it doesn't. I mean, there are probably some auras maybe that like, uh, you know, once it's attached to something, moving it around is good for you for whatever reason. I don't know. I, yeah, it seems kind of tricky yeah. at the end of the day. Um, I think you'd want to really build around the effect, but if you're going to mono white, then it's really hard to. So. It probably goes in, like you said, one of the Boros equipment decks rather than building an equipment deck just around Halvar. I mean, you probably can do it. I just don't yeah. think that's going to pro- probably be as good as a Kiri or Wyleth. It's kind of like a dance of equipment. You know, you want to put it on the stuff that needs it, and right. hopefully it is doing a good job when it's there. Um, one thing I was thinking about is, like, so auras are great, right? Like, if you have cards like spectral ward and you just want to put onto another creature because maybe you're like ah they don't have any flyers and this is my flyer i'm going to start stacking this thing up to go in for the uh the big kill mm-hmm. um is this good in the pariah deck the stop hitting yourself decks because yeah because you can move that to another i don't think it is because it doesn't matter you, you usually find the creature you want it on and then you want it to stay there there's right. not really a lot of room to move the pariah around if it skipped the equip cost i think it might be okay because then it's providing you with some kind of ramp you know a, mm-hmm. an amount of mana uh yeah, because I wrote, wrote down Argentum Armor and Helm of the Host, which are not actually that great with Halvar. I mean, they're fine, but it's not like they're particularly good because you can't squip, uh, skip the equip cost. So yeah. yeah. The nice thing is that it does create a blocker, right? A really lethal blocker sometimes because, yeah. you know, it, if you don't have Vigilance, you throw it onto another creature after you've swung out and you have one that's sort of staying there. Yeah. I, it would be interesting maybe more if this card had said any number of aura and equipment. Right. So you could just throw the whole thing over. It wouldn't be broken, but then at least you could make massive changes to your board on pre-combat. Yeah. So, okay, whatever. Let's talk about the backside here. Okay. Which has some interesting things. Like I said, 
It is an equipment that gives plus two, plus oh, and vigilance, but whenever equipped creature dies, return it to its owner's hand, and you can equip for one and a white. So this is a way to sort of sit, you know, have a creature come back to your hand when it dies if it was equipped with this thing. Uh, obviously, it would work okay with Halvar, but you can't have both on the battlefield at the yep. same time. Unless you're playing standard, in which case I think we'll see that that actually kind of factors into some of the designs. Interesting, yeah. Um, for me, this doesn't seem great because how do you get it back to your hand if you ever do want Halvar? Once it's the equipment, it feels like it's going to stay there. True. I think you kind of try and go more combo-y with the, with the other side. So if you can get it on a Dockside Extortionist with a sack outlet, ah, very now nice. all of a sudden you can probably create infinite mana, right? Because Dockside is going to make like five or six mana when it comes in. And then you cast pro- it. Provides yeah. the mana to cast equip Dockside, it. equip it, sack it again, and still have some treasure left over. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you only need to be plus one on treasure for that interaction. Yeah. Uh, stuff like Peregrine Drake or the blue cards that like untap a certain amount of lands. Maybe uh-huh. you could set up a situation where you're sacking that, bringing it, recasting it, and mm-hmm. ending up. You know, you have to be mana positive on these exchanges with Ashnod's Altar and those kind of things. Uh, basically, but it's one in a white to equip. Yeah. That kind of makes it tougher because you have to generate that white mana too. Yeah, basically, I think you're, you know, maybe you're doing bad versions of Nim Death Mantle style combos. <laughs> yeah. Which are already like only okay, not amazing. And the, you're right, the white mana, I think, really hurts it. So, yeah. Yeah, but I, I mean, if you've already got an equipment deck and Dockside Distortionist is already in it, then maybe this card goes in it just for that because, you know, worst case scenario, you know, what I talked about when we were doing the Akiri deck tech is that it's hard to have a critical mass of both equipment and creatures. Right. And the fact that this can stand in for either part of that equation oh, really does help you because in like the Akiri deck, you're like, oh, I've got plenty of creatures. Good. This is an equipment now. Oh, I need creatures. I have lots of equipment. Okay. This is a creature now. Right. So just that duality might make it useful in those decks. Yeah, it actually fills in the double slot. And I don't think many cards can do that, be a creature and an equipment at the same yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. All interesting. Right. Interesting design. Um, I guess that's kind of giving white mana in a way. You have okay. to equip it once, I, but, but not ever again after that. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I've I've made a, a vow to myself to not complain about white this episode. So okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. We're cool. just gonna let it go. I'm down with that. All right. What, the next white uh, god, modal double face commander, is Raydane, a god of the worthy, hmm. legendary creature god two three for two and a white. So three mana two three okay. has flying and vigilance. Okay. It's pretty aggressively yeah, costed. Good stats, yeah. yeah. It says, snow lands your opponent's control enter the battlefield tapped. Oh. I, I think that's pretty powerful because we're going to see a lot of snow lands here coming up because Kaldheim is just going to encourage that, right? Yeah, and so did Modern Horizons last yep. summer. And, you know, mono red decks have been known to always use that to get more mana from things like extra planar lens and stuff. Uh, and the second line of text is, non-creature spells your opponent's cast with converted mana cost four or greater cost two more to cast. Wow, that's that's significant. That's like commander tax on all of your big spells. Yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty big deal. And we've seen Gaddick Teague, who just shuts off yep. big spells, be very hampering to a lot of decks. So that's pretty cool. Uh, I'll read the other side. It's an artifact called Valkmira Protector's Shield. Sounds like an equipment. Three. Yeah. Sorry. Also, my um, I've been to Iceland a couple of times, and I've learned that my I'm not very good at like the <laughs> the pronunciation, the Viking languages, the Nordic languages. Right. Right. I, right. It just uh, you try and read it phonetically, but that's not how it goes. So I apologize. I'm going to pronounce this stuff all wrong. Anyway, sorry. It's three and a white. Valkmira. Le- yeah. Valkmira Protector Shield. It's three and a white for a legendary artifact. It says, if a source an opponent controls would deal damage to you or a permanent you control, you prevent one of that damage. Yeah. So basically prevents one damage to you and all your stuff. Right. And it also says, whenever you or another permanent you control becomes the target of a spell or ability an opponent controls, counter that spell or ability unless its controller pays one. So it 
it makes everything take one less damage that you control, including yourself, and it also makes everything that targets you or something you control cost one more. So it taxes yeah. people on both sides. This does seem like, one, it's meta-dependent on the front side, mm-hmm. uh, and definitely probably another card that's in the 99, less so a commander. Playing a mono-white stacks deck, I don't think you could make yourself less have less have less fun to make everyone else have less fun at the same time, right? <laughs> I mean, a lot of stacks decks kind of do, but they're built in the way to, like, they're ready for the stacks part of it. I mean, this one is yeah. opponents, right? It's only... Uh, um, it's only sort of working against your opponents. I mean, yeah. Gaddick Teague is so good because it absolutely says if it's 4 CMC or more, it can't cast can't it. do it, yeah. This one says, uh, it costs, you can do it, it just costs a little more, which is a big deal for something like Expropriate because all of a mm-hmm. sudden it's nine mana, so they probably can't cast it. But technically, I mean, later the in the game- mana, you mean, right? Oh, 11 mana, yeah, yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah. But technically, later in the game, they might have the mana to still cast it, in which case, it doesn't matter much that it costs two more. They're still gonna win when they cast it. Yeah, the back half I could see maybe good against a pinger deck um, if someone's trying to kill you with a Rakdos charm last minute, you know, like stuff like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the snow, the sort of snow hosing, the silver bullet against snow deck. Snoozing. The snowzing, snow lands your opponent's control, enter the battlefield, tapped is something a lot of people are talking about. And I saw Aaron Forsyth saying that this card was kind of there to make it so that there was possibly some kind of downside to playing snow lands. Because right uh, now... So yeah, there's no real downside, right? I mean, technically, if you want to play optimally before this set came out, I think like you should have snow lands be your lands, right? Because... Every once in a while, it matters. Field of the Dead, it's another land type. Still taps for the same mana that you'll need, right? Yeah, often I've had split between Snowlands and regular lands and field, decks with Field of the Dead just so that I can have a forest and a snow covered forest. Land, yeah, yeah. yeah. But this is sort of supposed to hose snow decks a little bit. I wish if that was the case that that part of it was on a colorless card mm. because, right. yeah, this is not complaining about white, by the way. This is the opposite. This is saying like, hey, white's getting an effect that if that's what you want to do, if you want to create a silver bullet against snow-covered lands, or not a silver bullet, but something that hampers them in a good way, then let, you should put that on a colorless card that any you know deck would have access to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't think it's probably worth playing just for that anyway, right? No, I don't think so. I mean, like, maybe I think this is a card that was made for, I don't know if it's Legacy or Vintage that has a lot of that Arkham's Astrolabe rolling around yeah, and, yeah. and has snow-themed things. So I don't know if it's designed more for us or for more other more for other decks and, and formats. So. so, yeah. Okay. Moving on. Moving on. We're now in blue. Blue has two gods. The first one is Alrund, god of the cosmos. Ah, is this, this is the Odin, Odin, right? Yeah, yeah, it's gotta be. He's only got one eye. Yeah, he, well, he's got one glowy eye. Yeah, his, inf- his uh, what do you call him? It's like the infinite eye. It's supposed to be able to see into... The all-seeing eye? The all-seeing eye, yeah, sort of. Okay, it's uh, Alrund is three blue blue, five mana for a 1-1 one, one legendary creature god, but he says he gets plus one, plus one for each card in your hand and each foretold card you own in exile. Ah. Foretold uh, is a new mechanic... And it has to do with playing a card face down in exile, and then you can flip it up later. It's kind of like morph for spells. A little bit, yeah. But it's not a special action, I believe, when it morphs, you cast it like a normal spell. Um, so that part isn't going to matter a lot, because this, this, there's only one set, and there's only a few foretold cards, and you're unlikely to have more than like one or two of them in your deck, just because... Yeah. Yeah, okay. And it'll occasionally give him a plus one, plus one buff, but you're not building around that. Yeah, it's mostly for each card in your hand, which yeah. is how big he's going to be. And then it says, at the beginning of your end step, choose a card type, then reveal the top two cards of your library. Hmm. Put all cards of the chosen type into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. So if you choose land and both the top two cards are lands, you will draw two cards right there. Wow. Or artifacts, creatures, whatever. On your end step, right? Yeah. Okay. So uh, this will happen to turn you cast him, which is pretty cool. Yep. And then the backside of Alrund, I have the showcase one here, so I'll read that oh, one. nice. Is 
Haka, Whispering Raven. Haka, is that where it's from? I don't know. Because I was thinking of the Haka, like... Yeah, the, the, uh, the New Zealand traditional dance. Yeah, the dance. Polynesian yeah. dance that my ancestors did, and also some of my cousins currently. Haka, Whispering Raven, is one <laughs> in a blue for a 2-3 flying bird, legendary Whoa, creature. two mana, 2-3 flyer? Yeah. That's and it says, whenever it deals combat damage to a player, return it to its owner's hand. It's like a cartographer's hawk. And then, draw, and then scry two. Ah. I almost said draw two. Scry two. <laughs> but that makes sense, right? Because you scry two, and that sets up so that you know at least, you know, you know some right. of your cards on top for when you play Owlrund, and then, you know, at the beginning of that end step, you guess what they are, and you're like, I'm not guessing because I looked. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the play pattern here is you play the Raven on turn two, and then you can hit it, and then if you hit your opponent, scry two, maybe you ramp on three, and then the next turn, you play Owlrund on turn four to take advantage of the scry too but you do draw one of the cards so it's kind of like you're taking advantage of the scry of the of one card out of the two and that's that only if you kept them on top because if you scry yeah, one true. away then you don't actually know right yeah i think you could also just play the bird side over and over again which is kind of funny yeah it's um, back to your hand so it will only cost two so you can hit them and then on that same turn turn three play it again right yeah and then, hit and then the turn next four turn. Hit, yeah i mean it's not the worst i mean scry two every turn's pretty good but costing two man to do it not so great so yeah. i think you know if you're doing this you may not even need to cast it as the bird you, i think you'd rather brainstorm put two lands onto the top of your, uh, your library and then play alrund and then draw both of them at the end yeah, of the turn right that's a good point <laughs> that seems pretty sweet otherwise you're playing sensei's top scroll rack any other sort of scry effects? I mean, you're definitely playing that in the Alrond deck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, one card I thought would be really funny with this is Atempsis All-Seeing, which is a three blue, blue, blue legendary Sphinx. That's a four or five flyer. You can play three and tap it to draw two cards and discard a card. But whenever Atempsis deals damage to an opponent, you may reveal your hand. If cards with at least six oh, different yeah. converted mana costs are revealed this way, that player loses the game. So we have Atempsis All-Seeing, kind of like Alrond's Eye, I guess. Like Odin, Raven, yeah. yeah. So you're kind of doing like a... You know, it's the knowledge game, so it seems like a very flavorful fit there. Uh, Otherwise, you're playing, like, Kefnet, who wants to draw cards all the time on the blue. And Elegeth is the cool one I like. Yeah, Elegeth is the partner commander that, instead of scrying, you draw that many. Yeah. Seems and that's the first thing there. I thought of with uh, with the the Haka card on the back end, because a two-mana, two-three, that when it hits, bounces to your hand and draws you two cards is yeah. actually pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is pretty sweet. And then you can keep doing it every turn. Now, playing the two-mana is not great, but and at Elegeth, that point... You have to wait till Elegeth's out, and I think Elegeth is like six-mana, right? So Yeah, he's pretty expensive. Yeah, so you don't get that going for a long time. But Siani, also a lot of people have been saying, mm-hmm. just Scry Tribal with Siani and Elegeth could work, so... Yeah, that'd be fun. Mono uh, Blue Scry Tribal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I mean, the back half is pretty strong. A two-mana, two-three flyer that can scry you two and also just sit around a block if that's the kind of game you're in. It's not the worst. I think that's actually way underrated, the ability to just sit there and block. A two-three is not a... It's it's a serious body, and it's in the air. Not to mention, like, let's say you're playing against Craig, and he's swinging you with a one-one infect. It's like, oh, I'll block it. It's a one-two. I can bounce it next turn. Yeah. Or you're or, in blue. There's tons of ways to flicker. Just, you know, he has to waste his... Bount- his uh, a pump spell, spell to not do any damage to you. Yeah. Yeah, he won't attack you if you have the 2-3. I've learned that. Yeah, and again, you know, we've seen the format getting a little bit faster in our meta, so a 2-mana two 2-3 two, flyer seems pretty relevant these days. Yeah. Good job, Alrund. Yeah, Alrund definitely not, like, crazy powerful, but might be a kind of cool deck. Maybe a, a cool and not oppressive mono blue deck for once. <laughs> All right. Good luck explaining that one to the cable table. Yeah. <laughs> Don't quote me, by the way. That still might be oppressive because it's <laughs> mono blue, so... <laughs> <laughs> All right, the next one is Cosima, God of the Voyage. Two and a blue for a 2-4 god. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may exile Cosima. Hmm. You may. You don't have to, but you just can. Okay. If you do, it gains 
Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, if Cosima is exiled, you may put a voyage counter on it. Ah. If you don't put a voyage counter on it, return Cosima to the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it and draw X cards where X is the number of voyage counters on it. Draw X cards. Okay, so here's the flavor. Cosima's on the voyage. You play a land. It's like she's gone to an island. So she uh-huh. goes to exile. And then every land you play is like a new land she goes to. And, and then she's got she's... the knowledge from each place she's <laughs> been at. <laughs> and then right? when she's done, you bring her back and she draws you cards. So the last land she finds is actually home again. Yeah. It's Odysseus. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there's a, a Viking uh, version of there that. There has right? to because be. Because yeah, they, yeah. they, they were always out at sea like raiding. Totally. Um yeah, so the play pattern is you play Cosima, then at the beginning of your next upkeep, you exile her, you play your land for turn, put a counter on her. You definitely want to exile her, I think. Yeah, probably, hopefully, like, cheat some extra lands into play, get mm-hmm. three or four counters on her over the course of a couple of turns, and then eventually you go, okay, I play a land, and instead of putting a counter on her, I'm going to bring her back, and she's got four counters, so four voyage counters, so she's going to get four plus one, plus one counters, and I'm going to draw four cards. Yeah, and you didn't pay any mana to do it. Right. You just and it was hard lands. to interact with, right? It's, it's actually, over there. I think it's impossible to interact with. So you just, yeah, so it's just <laughs> happening. And like, you can't counter lands coming into the battlefield e- either. So yeah. It's, yeah, it's actually seems pretty good. Yeah, it's like a ticking time bomb of value. Yeah, and then there's the backside. Let's talk about, uh, it's called the Omen Keel, which is an equipment uh, vehicle for one in a blue, legendary artifact equipment, or sorry, equipment, legendary artifact vehicle not, uh vehicles are back non equipment yeah you would think a boat a viking boat would not be in equipment, in equipment. unless so they're vehicle. a really strong viking that just <laughs> up the around boat. it there probably is <laughs> yeah okay anyway it's one in a blue for a vehicle it's a three three it says whenever a vehicle you control deals combat damage to a player a vehicle hmm. that player exiles that many cards from the top of their library whoa you may play lands from among those cards for as long as they remain exiled and has a crew cost of one. Uh, this is the card that I can see has says, play vehicles in standard, have multiple copies of Cosima, one in exile, one as the Omen Keel. Interesting. And then Cosima's going to get huge as the Omen Keel drives itself around or any of your vehicles. And if you draw Cosima in there, you could actually cast a Cosima again because one's in exile. Oh, you're right. Yeah, so, so you have so two Cosima. The, the downside of the legendary is not that big. Yeah, in standard, not yeah. as relevant here i don't think you're building uh, uh equipment tribal i need to know is cosima a grandma josh because because i was just gonna say has both silence are merciful it has the omen keel <laughs> that's another vehicle you're mil- you're uh exiling more cards from the library yeah yeah I this don't... is the full grandma package yeah for grandma got run over by a reindeer in a single card she's a god so i have no idea if she's yeah. a grandma uh, I, I find it hard to believe that she probably is i don't know how viking gods work do they have kids like the greek gods uh I hope so. I'm not sure. I'm assuming I'm so. Sure. Uh, Maybe they're like demigods because those were allowed to uh, sort of... Okay, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so Cosima, I think the front side cares about landfall, basically. Yep. Like, it doesn't say landfall, but it triggers on landfall. And so that feels like it goes into any landfall deck that has blue in it, right? Yeah, blue-green, right? We already saw this with AEC, Tyrant of Gyre, Strait, or Tatiova, Benthic Druid, both of them. You could actually do Sea Monster Tribal with AEC, which might be pretty cool with Cosima. Oh. She's like journeying around. Yeah, it actually flavor-wise works. Yeah, and then Shulane Teller of Tales also cares about landfall. So I think you could make a pretty cool Vorthos, like epic stories and monsters and adventures type thing, tales to be told. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, my personal favorite is a card that I think is really underrated. It's Oblivion Sower. It's a six mana, five, eight Eldrazi. When you cast it, target opponent exiles the top four cards from your library. Then you may put any number of land cards that player owns from exile onto the battlefield under your control. That's so, pretty cool. Six mana, maybe two in. landfalls from your opponent. Yeah. 
Yeah, draw a bunch of cards in a second here. That's pretty um, sweet. Yeah. The new Omneth looks of creation and Yarok are both cards that care about things entering the battlefield and triggering. So that seems like a good place to start if you're going to put Cosima in the deck. I'm really not sure about the back half of Cosima, that vehicle, the 3-3. Three, three. Because, yeah, you can play lands from among the cards you exiled, but you're not getting the effect of the front side of Cosima when yeah. you do it. I guess Unless if you have it's a vehicle- Tatio over AC, though, maybe that's good. Yeah. But those but decks then- just don't have trouble hitting their own land drops because they usually have like 45 plus lands in it yeah. and all the, you know, nature's lores and stuff. So I don't know. Seems like a pretty last minute thing if you want to do that. What's cool about this, though, is that you can hold open like a fetch land and then you can actually activate it when you want Cosima to come back. Uh, so you can actually cool. instant speed bring her back with that effect. Oh, you could bring her back and then on the very next upkeep, send her back. If you're like, I need to cards. <laughs> right yeah right you draw actually um, that might be the play pattern yeah right? so like it's like i have hold my fetch land when i play it i put a counter on her maybe she's got three counters and then it's like okay i want those cards so on the inside before my turn mm. crack the fetch land bring her back draw those cards play and then during my upkeep put her back in yeah, put her back and start yeah. accumulating value again yeah yeah seems pretty good in that case um but definitely a utility card i think in the 99 mm-hmm. all right let's move on to the black gods there are two this one is egon egads is it Egon or Aegon? I want to say Aegon the Conqueror, but it's Egon, E-G-O-N. Mm. You're getting like a Game Ghostbusters. of like, with Aegon. <laughs> Egon, yeah. remember that time you tried to drill a hole in your head? That would have worked if you hadn't st- stopped me. All right, Egon, God of Death. Two and a black for a 6-6. Six, six. <laughs> Legendary creature, God. Okay. Has Death Touch. Three mana, 6-6, six, six, Death Touch. Okay. This is getting into uh, uh, Regisaur territory yeah. here, Rotting Regisaur. <laughs> you know it's going to have a downside, and it does. At the beginning of your upkeep, exile two cards from your graveyard if you can't sacrifice egon and draw a card wait you get a draw card if you don't do it so you're not even down a card and this is actually like it cycles itself for three mana right you don't have two cards in your graveyard uh, that you want to exile okay it's not a maya bill either so you have to do it at the beginning of your upkeep exile two cards from your graveyard and it says if you can't so not if you don't right 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 sacrifice egon and draw a card still like just drawing an extra card for three mana, not the worst. It'll cost five the next time you cast it. Yeah, it's not the worst either. I, I mean, black has plenty of ways to mill cards into their, into their graveyard. Good chance that you have managed to, well, by turn three, maybe not, but right. it's possible. Uh, and then the backside is called Throne of Death. And I think this is one of the rare ones that you're actually going to play this side more than the other. Yeah. It's one black mana for a legendary artifact. It says, at the beginning of your upkeep, mill a card. That's it. I mean, sorry, that's not it, but that's like the main part of it. Yeah. Uh, like, I think it would almost be worth it to play in a lot of decks just for that, because one mana starts yes. milling you. On turn one, Stitcher yeah. Supplier is a very good card in the mill decks. This yep. just will generate you so much value over a game. And it also kind of, because you're like, ah, oh, is that worth a full card? Well, guess what? If you don't think it is, it has a second ability, which is you can pay two and a black and tap it and exile a creature card from your graveyard to draw a card. Wow. So three mana draw a card at the very worst. And this thing is a mill machine on turn one. Yeah, it starts milling you and eventually you're like, I want my card back and you exile one of the creatures that you've milled away and you get your card back. And that's expensive at three mana, but yep. it's the value you get from the mill almost becomes free at that point. Okay. Well, we've seen a lot of cards now like things leaving the graveyard, which the front side wants you to do. So Tormod the Desecrator is a new partner that does it. Desecrated Tomb. There's a lot of desecration going on. <laughs> the card we mentioned once every two episodes, Sir Conrad. Actually, we almost went to it. We did go two episodes without talking about Sir Conrad. Did we? Yeah, because we didn't have a set review for two oh, episodes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so Sir Conrad the Grim, again, loves cards leaving the graveyard. Um, Kroxa, any of those escape decks are mm-hmm. going to uh, do the, sort of the same thing. But I'm loving that backside. One mana to do that? 
Yeah, it's just something that you're just going to get going right away and be so happy with by turn seven or eight, just it's mildew seven, eight yeah. cards. And then, you know, you can draw a card off of it once Remember or twice. Remember Nick's Weaver on yeah. game nights? Nick's Weaver did so much work. Um, yeah. If you have a Hogak deck, this seems perfect there. Sidisi or, or the new Arumi, the Dreadtide, right? You just want, find, to want to find ways to start milling. Yeah, pretty good little card. I, I don't think it's like going to be insane also. What I like about Alrund and Aegon, Egon so far and cards like that are that they're in traditionally powerful colors, but I don't feel like the decks are going to be oppressive that play those two commanders. Oh, thank goodness. All right. No not, more Urza's. Not the same that can be said for this next card. Uh, Here we go. Turgrid, God of Fright. Am I afraid yet? You should be. <laughs> Three black black for a four five with Menace. Menace. I'm trembling. Whenever an opponent sacrifices a non-token permanent or discards a permanent card, you may put that card from the graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What did you just say, Josh? Whenever an <laughs> opponent sacrifices a non-token permanent or discards a permanent, permanent card, card, you, the controller of Durgrid, Put that card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. This is similar to It That Betrays, but... Costs 12 mana. Yeah, and this also does if they discard a permanent card. Wow. Yeah. Okay, we're going to talk about that in a second. I'm going to read the other side. Okay. It's Turgrid's Lantern. It's three and a black for a legendary artifact. You can tap it and target player loses three life unless they sacrifice an online permanent or discard a card. And then you can pay three and a black to untap the lantern. So if you have three and a black, you can do it twice. Or, you know, obviously if you have eight mana, you can do it three times. Not very scary. That yeah, I think true. there are some uses for it. We'll get that into that mm-hmm. in a second. But yeah, obviously the front side is the big side. That's nuts. You get all the stuff that's either sacrificed or discarded, basically. Yeah, so Fleshbag Marauder oh, is boy. the whole series of cards that basically force everyone to sacrifice a creature. And if if they're playing like a, a Voltron deck, <laughs> you just steal it. There's ones that also force you to, that make people sacrifice Planeswalkers too. But you're really Fleshbag or Merciless Executioner, right? Like, yeah, you just run Mexico's- all... Playcrafter, uh, there's that new one. There's like four or five of them now. They all cost two and a black and basically yeah. make people sack stuff. And any edict, just make everyone sacrifice stuff. The Lilianas often do this as well. You get it. Uh, oh, yeah. Get the stuff. You can play Dictate of Erebos, right? This is a oh. card that we know just does work. But now imagine, right? There used to be the scary thing. Oh, play Dictate and then have It That Betrays Out. Craig Blanchett is cackling. But and everyone can see that coming from a mile away because it's 12 mana and it's easy to like get ready for, right? And also, like they have to have, get it that betrays. They're not legendary. This Turgrid starts in their command zone. Yeah, and they're always going to have have this. Yeah, oh Grave Pack Dictate of Erebos. This is going to be brutal because they're not you're, they're not only going to get rid of all your creatures, but simultaneously they're going to have all the creatures that were just there on your side of the battlefield mm-hmm. on their side of the battlefield. Yeah. Yeah, Death Cloud, which normally is like a oh no, play it for 20 mana, kill everyone. You could play this for like three man for six mana or five mana because it's X black black black. Each player loses X life, discards X cards, sacrifices X creatures, and sacrifices X lands. Oof. Josh, what does that card say again? Uh, whenever an opponent sacrifices a non-token permanent, that lands. would be a land. So you get their lands. Also, if they discard a permanent. Like a land. Yeah. So nobody else would have lands, but you would. I think you probably win that game. I think so too. Normally, you're like, right, we're saying yeah. play Death Cloud, Torment of Hailfire. That should win the game on the spot because you're 
pumping 10, 15 mana into it. This one, yeah, you're right. You only have to pump six mana into it, and you probably win because everybody's down four lands. Yeah. They're down four creatures. You're up 12 lands and 12 ah, creatures. Ah, whatever, yeah. Ah, <laughs> ah. Ah, brutal. Maybe uh, the most powerful card is Dark Deal, yeah. though, which is the black two and the black wheel. Each player discards all the cards in their hand and draws that many cards minus one. So, gimme, gimme. If they had permanent cards in their hand, you get all that stuff. Yeah, high CMC things, monsters. Uh, I think this goes into any wheel deck that has black. Now, most of them are blue and red, but right. like Nekusar and there's a few others that touch onto other colors. Mm-hmm. This automatically goes in there just because of the discard part, which we haven't really seen before. Yeah, how often when you're playing Nekusar, you're making people draw so many cards they discard at their end step? Often, very, very often. Okay. They obviously will try to avoid, but most of the time you want to discard lands because you don't need five of them. That, Guess what you get, though? You yeah, get their they're lands. ramping you, so they won't <laughs> want to do that. So either they're in this stupid position where they're like, well, either I hold a bunch of lands in my hand, which I don't want to do because I'd rather have cards, or you just have too much mana. Yeah. It puts them in a really tough position. Or they have to discard an instant or sorcery. It doesn't feel good. Also, those cards, those decks are already playing the whole Breachers and the Narsets, mm-hmm. so oftentimes I think they're going to be like, you know, have Turgrid out, go Wheel of Fortune, flash in Hole Breacher, and just like, hey, guess what? Not only do I get all the stuff that was in your hand that's a permanent, you also have no cards now. Yeah, this does seem like it can get degenerate very, very quickly. I mean, Tiny Bones is a commander that pairs with this, so you know. Discard deck already, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's just, Black has a lot of ways to make everybody discard everything, and if you have Turgrid out, you don't care if, everyone's discarding their entire hand so there's like mind slicer yep that's your whole hand yep. but you get the stuff there's like um, awaken the earth file which oh, is yeah, another yeah, yeah. one that like everybody discards their hand and you know you get zombies and stuff but it doesn't matter because well yeah nobody has a hand which is actually better for you because they weren't able to hold an answer to all the stuff you just got like a board wipe or something like that yeah hand disruption right you can play a thought seize i feel like in this kind of deck and oh, be boy. okay with it yep. mind slash one black black you play black to sacrifice a creature on this enchantment target opponent reveals their hand you choose a card from it and they discard that card so seems like pretty nuts because you can also start sacrificing the creature that your opponents give you to keep doing this effect to other people that's why grave pact and dictator of Erebos are pretty brutal because you sack a creature theirs all die you get their creatures yeah. and now if they play a creature you sack one of the creatures you got from them to get the creature they just played like very hard to get out from under unless you have you know enchantment removal yeah. right now yeah that this discard deck is just getting better and better yeah, this this is going to be a groan fest. When anybody puts Turgrid into the command zone before a game, it's going to be like, Ugh. oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the back half here really quickly, just so we don't completely ignore it. And I actually <laughs> do think it has a home in some decks because, I'll read it again, it's three and a black for a legendary artifact. You tap it, and it basically does something similar like Torment of Hellfire, but yep. one time. You tap it, and target player either loses three life unless they can sacrifice a non-land permanent or discard a card. So they get a choice. Do you want to lose three life, sacrifice a non-land permanent, or discard a card? They have to do one of those things. So if they don't have any cards in hand or any non-land permanents, Mm -hmm. they have to lose three life. I see. They can't just not. That doesn't seem big, but the fact that if you ever get infinite mana or a lot of mana, you can just win the game with this card. Right. Because if you ever have infinite black mana, you just untap this infinite times because it has that second ability three and a black untap the lantern yeah so it is also a win condition in the situation where you have infinite mana and black can get maybe not infinite even right let's say you get rings of bright hearth grim monolith cabal coffers urborg out yeah then you're it's it's enough that you can just activate this like 30 times that's going to kill everybody yeah and we've seen with your athreos deck too the three life adds up this seems like a pretty good card for the athreos deck actually yeah just because they can't afford to get low if it's out and every you can just tap this every turn and it's going to slowly accumulate. It's going to attrition them, right? Yep. Yep. 
Yeah, and I think any deck that's just creating a lot of mana, we'll talk about a deck that I'm going to play on the upcoming game nights, and I put this card in there for the backside, not the front side. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, Turgrid, good job. You are the most nuts one so far. Good job? I don't know. It seems pretty brutal. I don't want to play against any yeah. Turgrid deck. And again, the backside is better if you can have multiple copies because the lantern makes them discard or sacrifice a non-land, right? So that Turgrid, the front side, would grab it if you had both out. I feel like Kyle Hill, of all the de- cards we're going to talk about today, the new ones, this is probably the card that he gravitated towards the most. Let's see <laughs> I if mean, I'm he, right. He loved Tiny Bones, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. We called that one. Let's see if we can call this one, too. Yeah. All right. We still got red cards. We got green cards. We got multicolored cards. Everything's still coming up. So uh, don't go anywhere, but we're going to take a quick break first and hear a message from our sponsors. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Okay, we are back. We are on Kaldheim. It's Viking stuff. We just got frightened by Turgrid, but now we are here to move on to the best color. It's red time. Woohoo! And we got two entries. So, Josh, take it away. Tell me about... Bergy, 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 God of Storytelling. I have no idea how to pronounce it. Not the God of Pronunciation. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Two and a red for a 3-3 legendary creature god. Whenever you cast a spell, add red to your mana pool. Until end of turn, you don't lose mana as steps and phases end. Oh. And then it says, creatures you control can boast twice during each of your turns rather than once. Boast is a new mechanic from Kaldheim. Uh, it's a thing that you can activate and get some sort of value out of if you've attacked Yep, you're this boasting turn. like a Viking. Yeah, um, but you can only boast if you've attacked and you can only do it once per turn. This allows you to do it twice per turn. You'd still, they boast usually has a mana cost tied to it. Mm-hmm. So you'd still have to pay the mana cost twice. It's not like you when, when you boast once, boast twice instead. Right. Um, so Does both, not seem terribly relevant. Same thing as the last sort of like... As uh, Outrun. As Outrun, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this one, the, the relevant is really like when you cast a spell, you get a red mana pool and uh-huh. your, your mana doesn't uh, go away as steps and phases end for this turn. That's sort of a stormy type of a, mm-hmm. you know, card. Every time you cast something, you get extra mana, which allows you to cast more things, which gives you more mana. The backside is interesting too, though. It's Harf, Harnfell, Horn of Bounty. It's one of those Viking ale horns. Uh, I have one of these I bought in Denmark. Ooh. Doesn't look as cool as this one, though. No, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Harnfell is four, and I should have brought in my Viking stuff. I went to... We have more set reviews. <laughs> yeah, I went to Denmark. I bought a bunch of cool stuff, and I didn't even use it this episode. I'm, uh, I'm disappointed in It's myself. okay. You're not a Viking yet. You're on your journey. You haven't boasted or... For- we foretold it. Okay, we foretold yeah, it. Yeah, we foretold it. All right, sorry. Harnfell, Horn of Bounty, four and a red for a legendary artifact. It says, discard a card colon 
Exile the top two cards of your library. You may play those cards this turn. So you discard a card and then hmm. you impulsive draw twice. Right, but you can play those cards. That's, that includes lands. That's pretty interesting because this is this the first time we're seeing impulsive draw as card advantage? Like you get more. Yes, for one, right? One for two. Yeah, usually you have to discard a card to draw a card. You rummage. This yeah. is discard a card to not really draw, but still get access to two cards. Yep. So you're up a card when you do that. Yeah, this might single-handedly be the most efficient way to exile cards off the top of your library with sort of an impulsive draw effect in, in red. Also, if you're in desperation mode, you know, you just need a board wiper, you're going to lose the game, you can be like, discard a card, deck. get one, nope, discard a card. Because yeah. you can do this as many times as you have cards in your hand. Now, you're not, the two cards that are going to reveal are not going to your hand, so you can't keep that up forever. But mm-hmm. if you just start a turn, you have six cards, and it's like, well, I'll die if I don't find a board wipe. You can, you're going to look at 12 cards. Yeah, interesting here. The it, we'll talk about that in a little bit. So let's let's go back to the first front. So Burgie, whenever you cast a spell, you add red to your mana pool, and until end of turn, you don't lose this mana yeah. as steps and phases end. Sorry, it's this mana too. So it's not. Other- oh, okay, that's actually a really big difference. Yeah, but it do, it seems like a storm spells deck. So yeah, Kaikar sure. wins Fury. Oh boy, um, really good. You get in that the deck. red to pay for the thing. And the spirits right? you sack for mana oh, too. Yeah, so you yeah, get, yeah. You can really storm off. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we have everything else. Kalamax is a storm deck. Um, Krog the Thumbless might be fun because you're just casting spells. You may be bouncing back to your hand uh, to cast again. Sort of keep going Getting with this. extra mana, casting yeah. more spells with the extra mana. Yeah, and then you've got your classic sort of Riku <clears throat> of Two Reflections, who likes having the extra mana to pay, and then Mizzix of the Is Magnus, who is trying to always reduce costs. If you're playing this in red-blue and you have, like, Baral, Chief of Compliance out, you're essentially getting a two-mana discount to every spell you cast. Every instant, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, and it's in their sorcery because that's that's what Brawl cares oh, about. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And then he's, I mean, Birgi, sorry, she's doing every card, every spell, which is kind yeah. of cool. Yeah, it doesn't have to be instant sorcery. Anything you cast, you're getting an extra mana. So yeah. in some ways, it kind of makes all your spells cost one less. Mm-hmm. It's not that it doesn't play out exactly that way, but still. Uh, yeah, if you can sink it into something, then great, but... yeah. Yeah, I mean, Birgi's obviously going to be good in the Storm decks. I, I wonder if Mono Red is powerful or has enough Storm stuff by itself. I don't mm. think it does to be a really good Storm deck in that way. Yeah. I think you probably want Birgi in the 99 of an already established Storm deck because you, you really do want Blue and or Black in there to have the good win cons for that. Right. Uh, right. So... Well, maybe Aetherflux Reservoir or something, and Red can maybe go find those artifacts or at least bring the Aetherflux back if it gets mm-hmm. destroyed or something. So maybe that's the way to go. Okay. If, yeah. Uh, let's talk about the backside, though, which I think we're both more excited about here. Yeah, it's Red card advantage in a very effective way. This reminds me of Tectonic Reformation, which mm-hmm. gives your land cards cycling for a red. But in this case, you get to do it for free. You don't have to discard the land card to do it, and you, you just get lots of value out of it. Holy moly. Yeah, I think this... I wish it wasn't five mana. Five seems like a lot. You put that down here too. Yeah. I totally agree. Four mana seems like it would have been a nice sweet spot and still not broken. Mm -hmm. But there is a lot of synergy in red with discarding your own stuff too. So like Surly Bagisaur was yeah. a pretty recent card. You want to read that one? Yeah, so it's a three and a red for a three, three. Whenever you discard a creature card, put a plus one, plus one counter on Surly Bagisaur. When you discard a land card, create a treasure token so you get the mana back. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever you discard a non-creature, non-land, Surly Bagisaur fights up to one target creature you control. So that is actually a must ability. So, and it has to fight. It's a three, three, so it, it could die. The idea though, it's big enough with the creature cards you discard that's big. Yeah, and you're choosing the card you discard with Harnfell. So, you know, you're probably going to do land because you're going to get the treasure token and hopefully impulsively draw into a land that you're going to mm-hmm. play as your land for turn. Yeah, because you're getting two cards off the top. Yeah, so it's just giving, it's kind of Lotus Cobra there when you do that. And then, you know, you can also fight thing and remove stuff after it gets big enough. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I just like Har- Harnfell as a card. Just the ability to discard a card and look at two cards off the top of my library they can play yeah. right now is really good. It's interesting because if Red's card draw is only impulsive draw, really, this actually doesn't synergize well with other impulsive draw because mm-hmm. you're not ever putting the cards in your hand to yeah, discard to it. But still, this is an instant speed effect, right? You yeah. can do it at any time on other players' turns. Set, do some top deck manipulation, find ways to do it. But this just seems very powerful for red. You know, red's the wheel color as well. And, and it's very powerful to go like discard, 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 wheel. Right. Get my seven cards back. Right, because you could flip it off the top. Yeah. Yeah, 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 totally. All right. Play Squee with this, too, because the little Goblin to Bob can come right back every up. Oh, yeah, Squee. Sorry, we have that written down. And, like, something like um, Reassembling Skeleton are really good. Just you you discard of them. So those are now sort of drawing you two cards every time, and then you just pay a couple mana to bring them back. So that's nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. The next red one, the last red god is Toroth, God of Fury. Two red red for a 5-4 with Trample. That's pretty solid. <laughs> Whenever a creature or planeswalker in opponent controls is dealt excess non-combat damage. Okay. So Toralf, trampling doesn't matter. Yeah. Toralf deals damage equal to the excess to any target other than that permanent. Okay. Confusing, but excess damage, non-combat damage that would be dealt to a creature, you add up how much extra is like flung at it that wasn't needed to kill it. So let's say um, Jimmy has a 1-1 one, one out on the battlefield and I lightning bolt it. <gasps> Respect, though, because you're playing lightning bolt in Commander. <laughs> <laughs> if I do that, two of that damage was excess damage because it was three damage dealt, but it only took one to kill it. Right. So Toroff says, oh, that's two excess damage. So I'm going to deal damage equal to that excess two to any other uh, target other than that permanent. So he can't throw the damage at the same permanent, which is... Interesting, because I don't know why you would anyway. Yeah, maybe it's some sort of rules thing that makes it Or there it was a combo or something they were trying to avoid. Right. So I could then be like, okay, well, that's two extra damage, and now I'm going to throw... Toroff's going to throw that two damage at one of Jimmy's other one ones. Right. I think actually it, it is that way, because let's say you did it to a creature, you do three, and then it would have two excess, you could do it to again, then have one excess, you could do it again. Right, but it would all to the same creature, so it would just die like it normally would. Yeah, unless it's like a Boros Reckoner or something, right? But that's what I was going to say. Let's say you have, you have three 1-1s. One ah. My Lightning Bolt can now call, kill all three of them because I go, boom, onto your 1-1-1. One, one, one. Mm-hmm. It's two excess damage. Toroff says, I'm going to do two damage to that other 1-1. One, one. And then he goes, oh, that's non-combat damage I just did, mm-hmm. and it was one extra. So I'll take that one and throw it at the last 1-1. One, one. Yeah, so Toroff actually sees the damage he's doing and sees the excess from that as non-combat damage and then throws that around. Yeah. So it kind of becomes this bouncy lightning bolt fireball thing. Or you can just throw it at someone's face too. Yeah, that's true. It can be like, oh, there's no, uh, there's nothing with two power on the battlefield. I'm just going to, you know, hit Mel for two. Ow. You know? Yeah. What a jerk move for jerks. What a jerk players. move for jerks. <laughs> uh, let me talk about the back end here. So Toralf, you'll learn, is the... Th- the stand-in for Thor and Kaldheim because Toralf's hammer... Ah, it's Mjolnir. Yeah, is the uh, equipment on the backside. It's one in red for legendary equipment. It says, equipped creature has pay one and a red, tap and unattach Toralf's hammer. Uh, sorry, you tap the creature that it's right. equipped to and you unattach Toralf's hammer. And then it deals three damage to any target and you return Toralf's hammer to its owner's hand. Oh. So it kind of is a lightning bolt. Uh, that costs four mana and it's happening to creature. And then it says equip creature gets plus three plus low as long as it's legendary. So Toros Hammer only gives a stat buff if the thing is legendary. Right. And it has a one and a red equip cost. So it actually costs six mana to throw yeah. the hammer and deal three damage because two to play, two to equip, two to throw it and tap a creature 
deals three damage. Uh, the good news is that you get Torolf's Hammer back to your hand so you can cast the regular Torolf, which is what you probably want to have on the battlefield anyway. In the first place, yeah. yeah. It's cool. It's like, are you worthy? You get a plus three if you're a legendary. You yeah, know, uh, yeah. It returns to your hand. You can lift up Mjolnir. You can do the cool uh, Thor move and everything, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm calling the front half of this effect, sort of this excess damage thing, I'm just deeming it splash damage. Oh, I like that. So yeah. Torolf deals spa- splash damage. Yeah, and so the card that everyone's a buzz about, two of them online, is Blasphemous Act and Star of Extinction because these major just win you the game on the spot with Torolf. Yeah, so Blasphemous Act deals 13 damage to each creature. So let's say everybody has five creatures except you. You only have Torolf. Okay. You cast Blasphemous Act. It's going to deal 13 to each creature, but all that excess damage, mean, meaning all the damage that 13 is more than their toughness, is going to add up and you get to throw that <laughs> how you want to. So let's say even if Jimmy's got, you know, five four fours. Mm-hmm. That would be nine times five, 45 damage. That's someone dead. Yeah, you just go, oh, and you get to p- throw that at any target other than the permanent that w- was dealt the excess damage. Right. So, yeah, I'm going to f- throw 45 damage at Jimmy's face. Wow. Yeah. And it may and cost you, do that you one mana, player. too, because of Blasphemous Act, right? Yep. Yeah, and then Star of Extinction does 20 damage to each creature and each Planeswalker, so 20 damage, but that card costs 7 mana. Yep. I think Blasphemous Act is just nuts in this deck. Because there's very every chance you cast this and have 1 mana left, and on the same turn just say 1 mana Blasphemous Act, do I win? Yeah. Everybody will have to have enough creatures, but it really doesn't take that many. I think if they have 4 or more, you're likely to be able to win right there. Even if they have 2, you're doing like 24 damage or something potentially. So late in the game, just boom, done. Yeah. Uh, also works good with like Ashling the Pilgrim, Chain Reaction, Chandra's Ignition, works with all the damage doublers and triplers, so Furnace of Wrath, Fire Emancipation. Well, Fire Emancipation, like, I, yeah. Blasphemous yeah. Act definitely kills everybody. I mean, like, even the Lightning Bolt mm-hmm. <laughs> with Fire Emancipation doing nine damage. I mean, you're just throwing damage around. This is, again, what we've seen with Red all of last year and the year before even. Uh, Josh, we mentioned Obosh, the Prey Piercer, all the time, and Torbrand Thane of Redfell, and those are just ways to just get tons of damage in tons yep uh boros reckoner repercussion i was thinking this is really good with caravec the merciless because that's not combat damage oh. so you throw damage at something or somebody casts a spell you caravec it then Torof goes boom sees the extra damage from the caravec and throws that at something else wow so this way you can like kill two things potentially or yeah. three things with caravec I think there might be a cool deck with Torolf where your goal is to give everyone else creatures oh and everything else in your deck it's Everything in your deck is either give people creatures, right. make it hard to attack you, so like crawl spaces and stuff like that, mm-hmm. or it's blasphemous acts and stuff like that. So you're just like, I give you a bunch of creatures, and then I get Torof out and blasphemous act. Yeah, and you all know? your creatures take one point and then die. Yeah, or so, chain reaction or whatever, yeah. That's hilarious. Because there's things like Genesis Chamber, Hunted Dragon, Forbidden Orchard, Varchild, they all mm-hmm. create tokens for your opponents uh and then i was thinking a card i love but i've never been able to play with is hornet nest uh, oh yeah because you can just throw a bunch of damage onto that thing and then boom you make a bunch of one one green insect creatures with that touch with that touch yeah um tainted strike also okay, i think yeah. just makes this an insta kill because you put it on because he's doing the damage right yeah if you give Torolf infect now you're thinking like mr blanchett here yeah you're right if you give Torolf infect then now he only needs to deal 10 damage to a player ah yeah and also the damage he's doing to creatures, it doesn't even have to kill it. It, it will permanently shrink them if you did that. But it, right. if you give him infect, you're throwing it at people's faces, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, in that case, you want to give some creatures death touch them because that also helps you just ping one damage to that to be lethal, right? Yeah, so Torolf becomes kind of nuts when it gets like a Basilisk Collar on it because of the death touch. So let's imagine you have Torolf with Basilisk Collars, mm-hmm. which gives it death touch and lifelink. And then you say... 
have some card that's going to deal five damage to a one one. That's four excess damage. Right. So you, so Torolf goes, okay, I get to throw four damage at something. And you pick a 12 12, a right. it that betrays. And it says, boom, deal four damage to it that betrays. But that's three excess damage because I have death touch. It only needs one to kill it with the right. death touch. Yeah. But it still did the four. So I gained the four life from the lifelink. Oh. And then it goes, boom, three damage to this other thing. I gained three from lifelink. And but I still have two to throw around. Boom, yeah. two at this thing. Gain two from the lifelink. So Torolf becomes pretty nuts with death touch and lifelink. I like Torolf. I like him a lot. I like him a lot. I think this th- it could build a really fun deck out of it. Anytime someone has a hammer, I'm all for it. Because I used to love Hephaestus, the Greek god, and, yeah. and Torolf. I think there's some a lot of similarities in sort of like the old traditions and stuff. And we've like never it. cared about excess damage before. So it's like you get to look at every card and be like, does this help with excess damage? I've never <laughs> had to think about that before. Yeah, splash damage. Yeah, that's cool. All right, let's move on to green. There's only one new mono green uh Modal double face commander. Yeah, but they have three non-modal double face yeah. mono green legendaries, which puts it a little higher than the rest of uh, the other colors. Yeah, they and we'll it. talk about that in the next one. All right, so it's Kolvori, God of Kinship, two green green for a legendary creature god. It's a two four. Okay. As long as you control three or more legendary creatures, Kolvori gets plus four plus two and has vigilance. So it becomes a six six with vigilance if you have um, three or more legendary creatures, including Kolvori. Okay. So you just need two other ones. Okay, okay. Um, then she has an activated ability. Is it she or he? Not sure. They, for now. They have a activated ability of one in a green and tap Colvori. And you look at the top six cards of your library, you may reveal a legendary creature card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. So this is obviously like a legendary tribal deck. We've seen this in green before with Reki. Yeah. Uh, Board the Weatherlight is a card that's a white sorcery that basically does that. It's looking for historic cards at the top of the library, but you're able to just use this on the card. That's a built-on effect to it. Yeah. Legendary matters. The backside of Kolvori is the Ringheart Crest. It's one in a green for a legendary artifact. As it enters the battlefield, you choose a creature type, and then you can tap the Ringheart Crest and add green to your mana pool, but you can only spend this mana to cast a creature spell of the chosen type or Mm. a legendary creature spell. I think that's mostly fine. This will just be a two mana artifact uh, or two mana mana rock that will cast like 60% of your spells because you're going to build a legendary creatures matter deck if Colvory is in it. I just think you're never going to cast this back half Probably. because you're in green. green. You're in green. You're, yeah. You have so many other things to do with two mana that gets real lands out. So yeah, here are the legendary creatures matters decks or legendary cards. There's Kethis, the hidden hand. I played this once on game nights. Captain Sisse, just classic fetch legendaries out. Reki, the history of Kamigawa that Josh mentioned earlier. Uh, and then Sisse, weather like Captain, which is a five color. Yeah, which actually might be best in that deck, I think. Yeah, interesting. I mean, any of I just you just need a critical mass of legendary things. The Reki deck is already mono green, already has a ton of legendary stuff. Right. So, but this is legendary creatures specifically too, where I think Reki is just legendary things, legendary spells. And yeah. the same thing goes for Kethis cares about legendary cards and legendary spells. Yeah. I'm not terribly impressed here. Uh, it seems like a utility player, but there are a lot of good options in the legendary thing. So it seems like they're kind of building towards that archetype when they can as well. Mm-hmm. I'm cool with a mono green card being lackluster. Me too. All right, that's all the monocolored gods. And so now we're going to go into the multicolored ones. There are three of them. This one's got to be yours favorite, right? So this next one <laughs> is the card uh, or the deck that I built for the Kaldheim episode of Game Nights, which is coming up on February 3rd, the one we uh, spoiled that. Uh, Hawk from Cobra Kai. Jacob Bertrand is going to be in. Sans, sans, uh, 
mohawk though yeah he doesn't have the mohawk and he's also way nicer <laughs> yeah i know person. right he's like super nice he's not a bully when i was like you like to play magic i hope you're different than your on-screen <laughs> I personality hope, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you don't follow the cobra kai creed yeah all right so the the commander again that i'm playing on that episode is this one it's jorn god of winter people are calling him jorn snow Oh boy, that's <laughs> you, a Game of Thrones reference. You, you know, know nothing, Jorn Snow. It is the God of Winter. It's very, very fitting here. He says, "Ice to see you. Nice. Chill out." Oh my gosh! <laughs> Why did you remind me of the worst role Arnold Schwarzenegger's ever played? Everybody, chill out. Chill out. It's like I mean, if Arnold told me to, I'll do it. You don't need to freeze me to death. <laughs> His casting cost is two in a green <laughs> for a three-three legendary God. Whenever Jorn attacks. Untap each snow permanent. You, I can't keep that up. Whenever Pretty Jordan good. attacks, Pretty untap good. each snow permanent you control. Oh, snow permanent. Snow okay. permanent. So, obviously, in this deck, all your lands are going to be snow lands. Probably 100%. Maybe, like, maybe you have one or two that aren't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then also a bunch of your creatures and other things, too. So, that's just, like, double your mana every turn. You know mm-hmm. I like untapping things, so that's oh, why I'm yeah. drawn to this one. And then the back half is... Caldring the Rhyme Staff. This is one a blue and a black. So Jorn's actually a soul tie commander. Black, he, blue, green. Yeah, black, blue, green. This is a legendary snow artifact. Again, three mana. You can tap it and it says you may play target snow permanent card from your graveyard this turn. If you do, it enters the battlefield tapped. So this is just a way to recur only snow things from your graveyard. You do have to pay the casting cost for it though, yep. right? Okay. You can play it though. So if it's a land somehow got in there, you milled it or whatever, right, you right. could just play the snow land and, you know, obviously without... But there's no way to get Cauldron back to your hand on the card, right? Not like no. Torolf's hammer or no. whatever. No, I mean, you're in blue and stuff, so you could probably get it back there if you really wanted. Yeah, you could flicker it or, or just bounce it, yeah. Yeah. So, Jorn is, you know, obviously very powerful because it's sort of sort of feast and famine on a legendary creature, yeah. right? Yeah, it just needs to have snow permanence, right? And it's when it attacks, so you don't have to deal the combat damage. Oh, that's even better. Yep. So, uh, yeah, you want obviously all snow lands, but also you want your ramp to be snow ramp. So like Boreal Druid and Rhyme Tender are snow permanents, but they're also mana dorks. Oh, wow. Do Rhyme Tender unt- untaps snow things. But snow things, yeah. yeah. Snow permanents, yeah. Uh, and then you, I, I was building the deck and it's like, yeah, you don't want Landwar Elves and Birds of Paradise in here. They don't synergize with the commander. Right. Ramping Ghosts and stuff are fine because they're going to go find your snow permanents. So mm-hmm. those are still good. But I was also looking for other cheap ramp because he's a three drop. So you want as much one drop ramp as you can get. Boreal Druids one. Also, Wild Growth and Utopia Sprawl and those land enchantments end up oh. being very, very good because they kind of count as snow permanents because you put them on a snow permanent that's going to untap. And those are enchantments to say when you tap this land for mana, you add an extra mana. Yeah, you love your untapper deck and, yep. and they run a lot of the same enchantments there. Um, you want stuff that puts a bunch of lands into play, obviously, too. Like Reshape the Earth is that big one oh, with boy. nine mana. And then you put all your snow things onto the battlefield. You put 10 lands into play. So what you do is you cast that pre-combat and then you attack with Jorn and you untap all the lands you just put in place so you just played reshape the earth for free sort of the animist also gets a bunch of lands out and it just seems like i mean if you're playing reshape the earth and you're not winning that turn yeah at least you're having a good time <laughs> <laughs> you do have to make sure jorn can attack so he's a three mana three three early in the game not hard but by turns five and six you know you might be worried about it yeah. so i like things like whisper silk cloak yep uh, maze of Ith, actually that's one of the i didn't count it as land in the deck it's counted as a spell but it's a good way to just protect jorn because you can attack maze your own jorn yeah just so you can get the untap because you really are counting on that untap the yeah sword, before someone can block it right yeah yep the Sword Ofs are all very good because they give protection from a color. And obviously, yep. Sword of Feast and Famine is going to double up Jorn's effect. Right, you... Because on attack, you untap, 
and then if you can use the mana and then deal the combat damage, you'll untap your lands again. Yeesh. Yeah, so sort of, and it, it doubles as protection in a way that Jorn can't be blocked because you just find the green-black player. Yep, There's always yep, one. Yep. Yeah, so that's really good. Basically, you're going to end up with a ton of mana. So the question is what you're going to do with it. I really like all the X draw spells in blue. Mm -hmm. So things like Stroke of Genius, Pull from Tomorrow. You really want the instant speed ones I learned because what you you want... You have to, right? Well, you don't have to. You could technically, let's say Brain Geyser, which is a sorcery speed one. You could cast it and then go to attack and attack with Jorn, but it's dangerous. And get your mana back, yeah. It's very dangerous, right? Because if I tap out for Brain Geyser, then I have to go to combat and somebody can go Path... You're Jorn. Yep. And yep. now I just shields down my entire thing. Whereas it's much safer to go attack with Jorn. Jorn's trigger goes on the stack. Now I float all the mana. And now if you path my Jorn, the trigger's on the stack. My lands are still going to untap. Still going to untap. You can float more mana and cast whatever big spell you want there. Yeah. And that's the other reason why too, because I can float the mana in the combat step and mm-hmm. double up my mana for one spell. Yeah. So if it's Stroke of Genius or Pull from Tomorrow, I can use all my mana, then part of my untapped mana, hmm. or all of it if I want to draw twice as many cards. Whereas if it's a sorcery speed, I can only do however much mana I have. And Jordan's a three mana spell? Yeah. So you're able to get six mana, right, on the sa- on like the turn, right? If you don't put another land, you have three lands out, you're going to get three plus three with Jorn. Well, he doesn't have haste, so, but yeah, right, on the next right. turn, you'd have eight mana, right? Eight mana, because you have four, four lands four. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is pretty good if you go Jorn, next turn, Pull from Tomorrow for eight you know yeah you don't need to pull from tomorrow for an insane amount eight yeah. is definitely more than enough uh and then this is also why vidalcan ori and Leyline of anticipation and you know everyone's rolling their eyes because i call but they're really good with jorn because reshape the earth is a nine mana spell that puts 10 lands into play and right. you wait until you have 10 mana is a lot worse than waiting until you only have five mana mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so if you have vidalcan ori out you go to combat you attack you float the five mana you untap it you spend four mana and with instant speed now Cast reshape the earth in combat. Yeah, you will not untap those lands now, but it's turn five. You're you probably, just got ten lands on the battlefield. You have yeah. fifteen lands on your turn six. Yeah, You're that's prob- going to put you in a winning position for the rest of the game, right? You don't even kill, care if they kill Jorn now because you have fifteen mana every turn. Yeah, yeah, and you can only do that if you can float the mana within and cast something within your combat step. Because remember, the mana is going to go away as steps and phases end. Right. So that's why instant speed is so powerful in this deck. Or mana sinks. Uh, this is Sultai, so you can play Thrasios, which has a four mana scry one, and do some broken stuff. Fairy Formation, I played this in the Game Nights episode where we played Brawl Decks, yeah, and it was four man to create a 1-1 one, one fairy creature with flying, and then you draw a card. Yep. Um, Plague Bearer has a, it's a one in a black creature with XXB, destroy target non-black creature with converted mana cost X. So you're definitely going to be able to do that, just sort of like ping, 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 and kill things. Yeah, my one big worry when building the deck was like, I'm going to have a million mana. What if I don't have anything to do with the mana? You have a high propensity for building this machine right. that gives you all this mana and then no way to do anything with it. So everyone's like, congratulations, you got 30 mana. And you're like, I passed the turn. <laughs> so Thrasios, Fairy Formation, Plague Bearer, uh, this new Tagrid's Lantern. Ah, uh, four mana to untap it, tap it, and you make everyone do that Torment of Hailfire thing each time. Yeah, so this is a way to make sure that you can get value out of that mana. If you just have one of these cards around, then it doesn't mm-hmm. matter how many much mana you can make, you can use it all. Yeah, and then you have Sorcery Speed, Villainous Wealth, and Torment of Hailfire. Look, if you do the Reshape the Earth play, you Villainous Wealth for a ton, you attack with Jorn, you untap it all, and then you Torment of Hailfire in your second. Like, yeah. <laughs> you win those games, right? Or you can, uh, what's Exsanguinate, or whichever one of those you want to choose, the big X spells that are kind yeah. of finishers, you can do that. You don't have to flash them in as a thing. Jorn just gives you a dope, right? We all know how good Sword of the Feast and Famine is. Jorn lets you do that if you build your deck correctly every time he attacks. 
And then, of course, counter spells, if you want to go that route. I didn't so much in this deck. You know, a couple, obviously. But because Jorn's going to basically leave you, if you build it this way, with your mana untapped uh, mm-hmm. at the end of your turn, then counter spells are going to be very good because you're just going to have always have it. Yeah, yeah, you're going to have your mana up. You can also do some combo-y stuff. There's a card called Thermal Flux. Yeah, let me read this. Okay. This is from uh, Cold Snap, I think. It's blue for an instant, just one mana. Uh, choose one. Target non-snow permanent becomes snow until end of turn. Jon Snow. Or target snow permanent isn't snow until end of turn, and then you draw a card at the beginning of the next turn's upkeep. So it is a slower cantrip, and then you can turn something into snow. So that will allow Jorn to untap it, and then if you get like Strionic Resonator or Lithoform Engine, ah. you can copy Jorn's untap your snow permanence uh, tr- uh, ability trigger and untap the Strionic Resonator or the Lithoform Engine and get infinite Zoom amount of again. untaps on your Snowlands. Okay. So that with Tegrid will, or Tegrid's Lantern will win immediately. Mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm. you know, with Thrasios probably will, right? Because you're going to draw your entire deck or whatever. You, those are some combo-y things you can do. Obviously, it's with Thermal Flux, which is, you know, but like you said, it's a cantrip. So it's not just a bad card to have in your hand. You can always get rid of it. If, yeah, and maybe yeah. you do have one of those random Snow Permanents in there that doesn't untap, so you can just, for that turn, do it. You know? If you want a combo, I, I will say, for the record, I didn't put that in my deck because I, that's not the type of magic that I generally play, but yeah, yeah. we like to mention combos just so you know they're there. What um, about this next note? Do you play this kind of magic? Yeah, I did not build the deck this way, but we'd be remiss <laughs> if we didn't mention it because Jorn is probably a very good stacks deck. Yeah. So if you have Winter Orb, Static Orb, Stasis, all the cards that don't let everybody else untap their stuff, it's going to be really good for you because Jorn will allow you to untap your lands every single turn. And Jorn, we didn't mention this, but he's a snow permanent, so he oh. untaps himself. Pseudo vigilant. Yeah, so if you have Stasis out, no one gets an untapped step and you still get to use all your lands as long as you just save one blue every single turn. Yeah, so you could make this a pretty oppressive deck. Again, you have three colors, Sultai. This seems like the makings of a very pretty oppressive deck if you want it to if be. If you want to be. Yeah. I think there's a fun version. I built a version that doesn't do any of that stuff and I still like it. And yeah, it's totally. not oppressive in any way. And then Caldring, which is the, the back half again, you tap it and you may play a snow permanent uh, card from your graveyard this turn, but it enters the battlefield tap if you do. Mm-hmm. That's... There's not a lot to do with that. You can play like Ice Fang Kawada over and over or something like yeah, that. Yeah, when there's about if you draw a card. Yeah. But it's not there's because it's restricted to snow permanence, you'd think there'd be some combo tastic stuff you could do with this, but there really isn't a lot. I think it's just some kind of value maybe if you want to get some card. I, I just can't think of a scenario where you don't want Jorn out. Yeah, Jorn just seems so very good. Unless there's something in your graveyard that you have to have that's a snow permanent, then sure, run Cowdring out there. But I even think like putting the flicker effects in a deck like this, you're just making it a little bit weaker. Yeah. So you're, you're probably just playing this for Jorn, and then Jorn comes with the back half that says, you get two extra colors. <laughs> I mean, Jorn is just like, you're going to have a ton of mana. Yeah. Is that, is that something you can use? And the answer is going to be yes, because, uh, you know, it's magic. If I have a ton of mana, I can figure out magic, how to Magic, magic, mana. <laughs> okay. All right, this next one's uh, one that got a lot of people talking because it fe- features a favorite Planeswalker as well as it's the first time it is a MDFC with a creature and a Planeswalker on the other side. What? Okay. This is Valky, God of Lies. This is the Loki of the set. It is one in a black for a 2-1. When Valky enters the battlefield, each opponent reveals their hand. For each opponent, exile a creature card they revealed this way until Valky leaves the battlefield. Hmm. So you kind of thought seize, but only for a creature, but from each of your opponents. For two mana. Yeah. But okay. it goes back to them if Valky leaves the battlefield. Okay. And then you can pay X and choose a creature card exiled with Valky with converted mana cost X, and then Valky becomes a copy of that card. Kind of echoes to uh, 
Lazav, the the newer Lazav. Yeah, not the old. but however, it it becomes a permanent copy of yeah. that card because it doesn't say, and it has. It this doesn't ability. say until end of turn. Or yeah, or and then it gains this ability to right. do it again, which the Lazavs do have. Yeah, you're right. Valky becomes a copy of that card, and it just is that from then on. Okay, you can do the interesting stuff. We'll talk about in a second with the stack. Uh, yeah, and that. Okay, so let's talk about the other side of Valky, which is Tybalt, Cosmic oh. Imposter. It wasn't Valky, it was Tybalt all along. Tybalt is the Loki in this set. Costs five uh, red-black, so seven mana total for a Planeswalker. Tybalt, five loyalty. Okay. As seven mana? Okay. Seven mana, yeah. As Tybalt enters the battlefield, you get an emblem with... So this is when you play Tybalt, it hits the battlefield and you just get this emblem. Whoa. We're used to like doing stuff to get emblems. Not this one. Just enter the battlefield. Here's the emblem. You may play cards exiled with Tybalt and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast those spells. Okay. So his plus two is exile the top card of each player's library. Each player's library? Yeah. Oh boy. And it's an emblem. So you just always have access to those now. It's Tybalt is, it doesn't care if Tybalt's on the battlefield. Unless they're lands, right? You can't play them. You may play cards. No. Oh. You can play cards exiled with Tybalt. I'm sorry. Uh, and you may spend mana's more of any color to cast those spells. Gotcha. So you can play the lands. Okay. Okay. It has a negative three ability. Again, comes in with five loyalty, which is exile target artifact or creature. This is new. I don't think we've seen... Yeah. We haven't seen red... Uh, well, we haven't seen black deal with artifacts at all, and we haven't seen red exile artifacts. They did recently um, sort of... Maybe they're pushing towards black being able to exile creatures mm-hmm. because of that. What was their Fierce Guardianship version? I forget what it's called. The black one. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That one exiles a creature. Yeah. And they've done it in before. But this is exile target Roiling artifact. something. But this is negative three exile target artifact or creature. Exile. Yeah, that's new. That's, yeah. that's pretty powerful. Um, black and red, I don't think... You're right. I don't think they've gotten to do that yet. Seems pretty steep that you can't do it twice and it's seven mana to get this thing out. I don't know if you want to play seven mana, exile an artifact, yeah, but yeah. okay. Uh, and then the negative eight, which is you'd have to plus two it twice to get there. Yeah, not going to happen. Exile all cards from all graveyards oh. and add red, red, red. I don't think you ever, I mean, maybe, but I That mean, pairs up well with his emblem because you can play those cards. Yeah. It's just like, okay. I mean, play Tibble at seven mana, use him plus two him twice. And I'll just everyone keep plusing is, him. De- I would just keep plusing him too, for sure. Yeah. Or maybe I'm exiling a creature or something, but uh, so seven mana, it's a lot. Like it's a lot. Ah. This is the first time you can play a Planeswalker as your commander without having the text, uh, this Planeswalker can be your commander, though. Oh, because... No, no, no. You could do that with, like, Kid Jason stuff. Oh, you're right. You're right. My bad. My bad. But it's interesting. It draws you cards. It gives you card advantage, at least. Yeah. It gets rid of things. It doesn't really protect itself, which is what we always look for in a Planeswalker. And a seven-mana Planeswalker, I think this card is going to be, like, not that great because of it. It's cool. Yeah. If you have a ton of mana the turn you play it, then you plus to it, and you can maybe cast a blocker or cast a board wipe or something. That would be the ideal, right? Yeah. You, you do it, flip it, get Toxic Deluge. You Boom. somehow have 10 mana on that turn to do it, so you should Blasphemous maybe... Act. Yeah, maybe... Yeah, exactly. So there are ways, I think, but it's going to be dependent on sort of what you flip. What do you think about Valky, God of Lies, who comes in and you exile a creature card from each of your opponent's hands on turn two? I think... I think it actually could be really disruptive if you do it on turn two. Someone's got like a three mana card or that's going to impact the board. It's like they're ramping out. You know they're going to play a very powerful thing next turn. So you kind of stop everyone from doing their best creature. Um, and I would definitely probably choose the less scary ones because it's a you know it's a two mana card that may die pretty easily otherwise. And then the cards go back, right? Yeah. I would. You probably want to take their like mana dorks and the yeah. smaller stuff they have because 
it's probably not going to stick around long enough that you stealing a six drop is going to matter too much. But that's and really also, powerful if you take like a Seaborn Muse and they're trying to ramp out to it. That's good. That's a good point. So, and also like just if they've got like a two mana mana dork or a, a birds of paradise or something, go boom, and then you turn this into a birds of paradise. Like you have a birds of paradise. Oh, you're right because you can pay X to do that. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that's actually pretty good. I think that that also you have a ton of information if you do that on turn two. Like every yeah, game you every play Valky, you are going to know most of the players' hands at the start of the game. You're going to know exactly who's got the scary stuff, and you'll be able to tell the table like he's got a board wipe. Yep. This person's got a counter spell. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. going to be freaking annoying. <laughs> I'm annoyed yeah, by that. I don't want to play against this deck now. It's going to make the game a lot slower because everyone's going to stop and go, are you going to counter that? Yeah. Are you going to kill that thing? Yeah. Are you going to redo that? I know you have the I know you have the card. Yeah. Are you going to, re- will you remove that enchantment? Don't say you don't have it. I know you have oh, it. I know you have it. <laughs> I, I, I know you have it. If you want to truly be Loki, you say that when they don't have it. And they're like, <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> everyone's like, yeah, we all saw their hand. They they don't have it. I know you have You're it. You're like, well, yeah, but now they had to show us their entire hand to <laughs> prove it. <laughs> <laughs> amazing uh yeah the back half seems really sweet the the exile thing is again another red effect we've been seeing stolen strategy atali primal storm but seven mana is steep so i'm not in love with that part of it so much i think this is another one where it doesn't seem on a face of it in tr- extremely powerful it just seems like it can do some cool stuff i kind of yeah, like yeah yeah, it's yeah totally all right we got one more it's the wooberg one. Oh uh, yeah it's asika god of the tree one green green so three mana for a one four mm-hmm uh, legendary of course with vigilance three mana one four with vigilance it says tap add one mana of any color three mana birds of paradise not great yeah, not great it does say though el- other legendary creatures you control have vigilance and tap add one mana of any color okay turn your legendaries it's a legendary matters deck cool but a three i like mana that it gives them vigilance to too because then they could still attack and do their thing and then tap after yeah nasika's like you must do everything now They're yeah like, i'm so tired it's okay that's not like it's not amazing, right? It's, yeah. It seems okay. All right. Well, the backside is a Wooberg card. It's called the Prismatic Bridge. Uh-huh. This is the Bifrost. Yay. Yeah. It's white, blue, black, red, green. So five mana, Wooberg. So Asika is a five color deck. Yes. And this Prismatic Bridge is a legendary enchantment. It says, at the beginning of your upkeep, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a creature or planeswalker card. Oh. Put that card onto the battlefield and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Oh. So this cheats the next creature or planeswalker off the top of your deck directly into play. So if you're playing a Super Friends deck, this seems pretty sweet, right? Yeah, because you're not going to have a ton of creatures, and so you're just going to get good value. Yep. Yeah, I think also like a Joda deck or something like that that just uh, has yeah. a lot of really huge things Monsters, and it's just going to yeah. like whatever it gets. And Joda wants be... to play pay for Uberg all the time. Yeah. You could Joda Uberg out this for Uberg. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> you, oh, I'll just pay its cost. No, yeah, I'm yeah. doing it through Joda. Yeah, ooh, sna- <laughs> oh man, the value. So compared to Colvori, which was the green legendary matters, this one's obviously much more powerful. Um, I think like Sisse Weatherlight Captain, this seems like something you put in the deck. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, because it is legendary on both sides, so it's, it fits in the legendary matters deck, for sure. Yeah, and then the converted mana cost, you can look on the front side, it's going to be less than Sissé's power, and then the back side is the enchantment. So front side, it's not it's not a huge card, right? It's a 1-4. Yep. And then the converted mana cost is 3, so Sissé just needs to get plus 2. So 2 are legendaries. To get so, to, to it. To get to it, yeah. But then you flip it when you play it, because you get to choose, I think, when it comes on the battlefield, right? With Sissé, you can have it come in as the uh, enchantment on the back. Oh, that's interesting. What does Sissé say? Uh pay Wooberg, search your library for a legendary permanent card with converted mana cost less than Sissé's power, then put that card onto the battlefield. I think. I don't know. I'm going to put 
I'm just going to say that works. <laughs> We're not judges and MDFCs are super complicated. So I'm going to take no stance here. It's possible that that works. Yeah. Uh, What's well, interesting, if you play the Legendary Matters decks, Reese the Redeemed is a one mana mana dork with this out. But yep. I really don't think you're playing a Sika. I think you're just going to flip the back. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, yeah. I think so too. I think you, your goal is to just get the backside out and then roll the dice every time and see what you get, or you know, yeah, control the top of your deck and, and not see what you get, but you actually <laughs> put something awesome there. Maybe you play the shrine deck with Sanctum of All for another five mana legendary enchantment, so you pull out all the shrines and just get tons of value that way. Yeah, a lot of people were saying this was a good commander for the shrine deck specifically, mm-hmm. just because I don't really know why, just because it's five color and it allows you to like make a bunch of mana dorks that can help you cast that stuff because it doesn't put enchantments onto the battlefield. Right, yeah. It actually would skip right past them. Uh, okay, well... I, one thing I thought was... Or, or two things I thought were good in this deck were Paradox Haze and the new Sphinx of the Second Sun because they give you an extra upkeep. This is for the back half now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the back half. That's That allows you to get two triggers off them. Right, with another upkeep. Yeah. And then Sphinx of the Second Sun. New card does the same thing. And then you can do the Strionic Resonator, Lethal Form Engine stuff again to double it up. Yep. So you can get more triggers off Prismatic Bridge, which just seems good because you're yep. cheating stuff out. Especially if it's like, oh, on the first one, I get out Sphinx of the Second Sun. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So again, you're going to want Sensei's Divining Top, Scroll Rack, if you can afford it, uh, Brainstorm, Ponder, any of those Scry cards seems really good here again. Yeah. And then you just put some crazy stuff on top. Maybe Vorinclex got here via the Bifrost. What do you think about that? Oh. Because anything can come in to Kaldheim now, right? I mean, Doll or whoever the equivalent yeah, is. Yeah, we could even go to Kaldheim on the, uh, uh, the Prismatic Bridge. Yeah, okay. If there's no episode next week, it's because we're in call time. <laughs> Just screaming in pure terror. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> Not a good idea. <laughs> okay, that, that does it for all of the MDF commanders, the Moldo Double Face commanders. Uh, we're going to talk about real quick the most powerful new MDFC and then our favorite new MDFC. Okay, so of the commanders we talked about today, Jimmy. Okay, I get my papers back. Yep. Got my papers. Which one do you think is the most powerful of the new... Again, this is only from the MDF's commanders. The, yeah. The two-faced commanders. For me, it's very clear. Yeah, it's pretty clear, too, because it's the most oppressive. So not only is it the most powerful, it's also the most scary. Because it's Turgrid, God of Fright. Because the Lantern, you're right, Index that generate infinite mana can also be a card that you play to win the game. Um, and black decks, right, that just want to get a ton of mana out and cast a Charm of the Palefire, Turgrid's Lantern can almost be a, a worser substitute for that in a lot of times and just the front side of turgid is just bonkers yeah. by itself even if it didn't have the back side i think that so card- many black decks just run incidental cards like flesh bag and all that stuff and, and turgid's just so good i mean like merciless executioner becomes steal three things potentially yeah that card's already good token it- deck celebrate but the rest of us are like oh boy yeah Yeesh. yeah it seems pretty brutal uh second most powerful maybe jorn if you build it as a stacks deck which don't do that because no one will like you but i think toralf actually because toralf has the ability to one shot everyone toralf is pretty cool right you can play the blasphemous act that actually that seems totally fair though you yeah to- it's not just <laughs> that it's not just that they have to have enough creatures and no sack outlets right right well, yeah well then i just spoiled it i i buried the lead because that is my favorite new mdf commander it is toralf gods of fear because who doesn't want to do tons of big damage? Because it's mono red. Yeah, it's mono red. And that, or actually, you know what? Maybe I'll give the love to Birgi because Harmfell Horn of Bounty is pretty freaking cool for red. I do like that card. If we're talking about as commander, I'm with you. I like Toralf or I like Jorn, obviously. Yeah, I Jorn's different. pretty sweet too. Yeah, 
But if it's just card, like counting like as it goes in the 99, then Beardy might be the one of these that sort of sees the most play. Because I can see the backside of that card being real good. Yeah, definitely. It's a little high mana cost, so I'm, I don't have a good read right now on whether that's just above the threshold. I generally don't like, you know cards that don't do anything when they come into play to be yeah. five mana or more. But this, actually, you can play this, and on the turn you play it, discard a couple of cards. Maybe you have to find a land drop or something. Yeah, and, I mean, maybe you're, this is the deck that you play the add red, 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 red to your mana pool, so you get it out early, and then you discard your whole hand and Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> yeah, really good with Underworld Breach, maybe, because you can yeah. get all those cards you're discarding back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. a lot of cool stuff. I really think they actually landed in a pretty good spot with most of these. We don't have like yeah, a Tulane or a Corvold or that kind of stuff in I here. I like Cosima too. Cosima, because of the little interaction we found with the fetch lands at Instant Speed sort of bringing it back. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. fun too. Okay. All right, to the listeners, what do you think of these new modal double-faced commanders from Kaldheim? Do you like the design space? What do you think about them sort of playing around with running non-creatures in your command zone? you think that's good? you think that's mm. scary? What do you think about that? Yeah. It's, it's kind of cool because it always ties to the character, so at least it's thematic. It's not just like good stuff on one side, good stuff on the other. Right. Because I feel like maybe three years ago, that might have been where we went to because that sort of kind of was the pattern for a hot second. Now we're much more in the flavorful realm, which I very much appreciate because I think MDFCs, there is a... I think there's a very thin line that once they cross it, they become way too powerful. Yeah, it could have been easy to sort of make big mistakes here, and I, I hopefully they avoided them. Seems like they did. It seem, yeah. These seem like all in a nice spot. Yeah, don't make a mistake though in not purchasing the cards you need for your deck. Head Big on over. <laughs> Head on over to cardkingdom.com slash command zone. That is your number one place to help both us and also you get the cards that you need. So anything from call time that we talked about today, any of the cool combos you might be brewing up in your head, maybe you want to build one of these call time decks and have it super thematic. Well, now is your chance to pick up all those cards. Cardkingdom.com slash command zone. Uh, great customer service, just an amazing company, and they'll get your stuff to you, especially in those sweet frames and all the cool new ways to get these cards. Oh my goodness. Too many options. These showcase frames are sweet. I don't usually care that much about um, their special framing lately. But this one? These look awesome. Yeah. Yeah, they And just really they really do match the set, too. I like Throne of Eldrains a lot because it also felt like it really matched the set. And yeah. this one seems like it's up to that par. Yeah, you want to get your hands on them. I have no idea what kind of packs that... Actually, I think we got these out of regular booster packs, so they definitely come in oh. those, probably in collector's boosters, probably in set Definitely boosters. in collector's boosters, definitely in those little special boosters. I can't even keep track. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you also want to pick up all the stuff to protect your cards, you know, Ultra Pro stuff is the, the stuff that Jimmy and I trust our own collections with to keep them safe, to keep our cards in mint condition. Yep. They also... Not only are they the highest durability and the best way to protect your cards, they also look the coolest. Ultra Pro makes the awesome playmats, deck boxes, sleeves that really you can theme to each and every set that comes out. They get the licensing agreement so that they can do all the cool art on all that stuff. Also, they have like the banners. You know, there's one back here. I don't know if you can see in this video, yeah. but Jimmy has one right behind him. Behind me, yeah. Uh, relic tokens and all kinds of really cool stuff to really spice up your battlefield and make it look awesome. And it's high quality. I can't tell you how many playmats I own that I've used for multiple years that look just as good the first day that I got them. Yeah, okay. they really do great stuff. All right, now it's Ooh. time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. Jimmy, you wrote I this have, down. Yay, I, I don't have to think. Yeah, have you seen this? No, I haven't, but I now seeing who direct is the director on. Yeah, it it's created by this guy. Because I like this guy a lot. Yeah, me too, and that's why I watched it. So there's a show, and I think it's on, it's like a one of those limited series. Okay. Uh, I think it was on FX originally, but it's on Hulu now. Okay. And it's called Devs. Oh, D-E-V-S, like yes. Okay. Um, and the creator or the showrunner, I don't know the exact title, but the, the, the head 
Head creative honcho. person in charge is Alex Garland, who did Ex Machina <sighs> and uh, Annihilation. So with Natalie Portman, yeah, yeah, Ex Machina with uh, good old Oscar Isaac. Yep, and um, both movies we've I think we talked about both movies on the show and in steps at a certain yeah. point. We like smart sci-fi stuff. That's definitely Alex Garland's wheelhouse. And this is like I think it's like seven or eight episodes. Okay, and it starts off a little bit slow, but it's. It's like a mystery, very compelling. I think you'd like it, Jimmy, for sure. With if, sci-fi elements? With sci- smart sci-fi elements. You're kind of trying to figure out what it is that it's like. Hmm. Yeah. What's wh- going on, right? What's going on, but they give you enough hints and they do have good answers at the end. So it's pretty cool. Well, Ex Machina is, is probably one of my favorite sci-fi movies of the last decade. So yeah. I know a lot of people love Annihilation too. So Yeah. So devs on Hulu right now, or it's, it originally was on FX. I don't know if you can still find it that way. Cool. Uh, yeah. Highly recommend. I watched the whole, th- I haven't done this a in binge, a long time. But yeah. I had a day off and my girlfriend was working and I literally just watched this show all episodes in a day. Wow. Which I never do. Like, Jimmy, you know, I have no time. Mm-hmm. You're just sinking into your couch. But I was like, today, I'm, life. <laughs> I made myself a promise that morning that wasn't going to work. Ah, nice. And this actually made it easy because I didn't, I, I didn't, I didn't get bored. Good job. That's hard. That's a hard promise to keep. I'll yeah, tell you that for much sure. for me at least. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. I'll do this. I want to do this. It's okay. a cleanup step time. Our editing, graphics, and logistics team that we would like to thank here at the Command Zone Podcast is Craig Blanchett, Manson Lung, Ashlyn Rose, Lady Danger, Jake Boss, Josh Murphy, Alfred Asaka, Patrick Nan, Sam Waldo, Arthur Meadowcraft, and Jordan Pridgen. I almost did it in one breath. I should take a deeper breath next time. You really got to prepare for it. There's so many people now. I know, right? Yeah, our team is awesome. They keep kicking butt. We've got a lot of content coming up. Like we said, extra turns and game nights. One Thanks after the other. Supporting us. Yeah, next That's week and the week after that. that. So. Yeah, look forward to all that stuff and uh, look forward to a couple more set reviews here of Kaldheim. We've got to still go through all the traditional commanders that don't have two faces and then all the cards that can go in your 99. At least we don't have to talk about two cards every time we talk about one. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely less than Commander Legends, which is good. But there is some cool (sighs) stuff, so I'm excited to talk about it. I think I'm still feeling burnt out from Commander Legends, to be honest. (laughs) You're not gonna. You're not gonna be putting tweaking your deck with all the call time cards. Or are you gonna do that all in one fell swoop? Commander it's got to be one fell swoop. I'm trying to move into a new place right now, and I, it's like it's like my stuff exploded over the place, and I haven't even brought my magic cards over yet. But I'm gonna set up like a station to to begin brewing again. So hopefully, and we'll begin get back like to updating. It. I yeah, just, updating I just, for sure. I just bought like you know five Jessica's wills to put in all to my decks. That's that's the most updating I've done so far. But I'm poised. I'm ready. I sort of know what cards from the last from Commander Legends and this set I want to add to. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing the upgrades, Josh. And we're looking forward to seeing you next time on the show. All right, everybody. Thanks for watching. (laughs) We'll see you next time. Peace. Bye-bye. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com. Or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> <laughs>